Welcome to the Start With Heart podcast. Uh, in this interview, we actually had the opportunity to speak with CJ Cassiata, and uh, he brought some different things to the table where we talked about identity and creativity and just being weird with his new book coming out. Man, we learned some amazing nuggets along the way, didn't we, Danny? We did. Um, CJ is quite an interesting guy. Um, he's super creative, and I just you just learn a lot from the guy when you're sitting with him for more than five minutes. You walk away like, wow, I learned something today. And, um, you know, and this, this whole idea of his book title, Get Weird, you know, um, this idea of weird, it's sometimes it's, you can have a misconception about what weird means, but he's really getting at creativity and identity. And uh, what do you call him, like an identity ninja or something identity like that? Identity ninja. Yeah, totally. So um, I just think of that whole thing. I, I think we as a culture, I, I know even growing up, you know, we're struggling with identity of who am I? And what kind of difference am I going to make in this world? And am I weird? You know, and almost bringing that, oftentimes bringing that into a negative uh, context. And, you know, I mean, I remember when I used to rock like pig pants. Did you ever wear those? I did. You did, yeah. I mean, I thought that was the next best thing since sliced bread. And, um, you know, I, the th- reason I was wearing them, though, not because it was comfortable, because it like rip out you know, hairs from my leg and stuff and it hurt. But, um, the reason I, I did is cause I didn't want to be weird. I wanted to peg them like everybody else did. And, um, rather than be comfortable and creative. So anyway, that's just a thought I had. In, and even growing up, cause oftentimes you look back in your childhood and you think about weird when someone called you weird or whatever it is. And he has a great, great, great way of flipping that and showing how weird is such a positive thing we can use to actually change the world. It's really cool. Yeah, he was like, it's like it's the champions of the weirdos, you know? And Absolutely. It was, it was amazing. He was talking about the Hensons and, the, you know, the Jobs and the you yep. know, Rogers of the world. And I think that, you know, when you start looking at it through that different lens, you could tell, you know, when we talked to him and we brought up some of the people that meant a lot in his life that, man, they, they went straight to his heart. And that's where he came from. And that's where all the thing about, you know, CJ and all the times that I spoke with him is, man, he just gets it. Yeah, he And does. Uh, he gives some really amazing insight and from different perspective and it also you know really challenges us in this you know in this podcast to look at the world a little bit different way in a little fun way you know you know it's good to be weird and actually coming out of that i think it's okay for all of us to be a little weird yep yep i agree i agree i look forward to to what people are going to hear yes so enjoy this podcast brought to you by the collective global Today on the Start With Heart podcast. Today we're very excited to have CJ Cassiata with us today. He is a husband, father, writer, speaker, media maker. I'm going to call him an identity ninja and a good friend of ours. Um, thank you for joining us today, CJ. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Well, so to kick us off, um, one of the questions, our first question that we want to ask is when we say start with heart, what is the first thing that comes to your mind and why? I think identity. I think that word. Um, I mean, I guess I'm an identity ninja. <laughs> I, I, I think I appreciate that that title. But when we talk about what the heart actually is and what flows from it, I think about this place that we don't conjure up or you know we don't uh, sort of manipulate, but it's something that's that's instilled and given to us, and we just have to operate out of that place. Awesome. That's great. Very cool. 
CJ, what's up? Yes, sir. Yeah, come on. California brother from another yeah. mother. West side. <laughs> hey, um, so we know that you have recently wrote a book called Get Weird, correct? That's true. And uh, we'd love to hear a little bit more um, about your heart behind that, the backstory with that, um, and the purpose of this topic. Yeah, you know, I wrote this book because I was a weird kid growing up. I think there's a lot of weird kids out there. I think actually we all start off as weird, whether we think so or not. Every kid, I've yet to meet a kid who who doesn't sort of default to strange imaginative dreams and fantasies. And at some point, though, we get that we get that ability. I think it's an ability. I think it's a, a, a talent and gift. But we get that kicked out of us. You know, we we are a little too weird, a little, we're a little too strange, a little too out there. We start coloring outside the lines. And either it's a parent or a coach or a, a teacher, you know, somebody in our, our world, usually when we're pretty young, kicks, kicks the weird out of us. And so I've been on this journey trying to, trying to get that back, trying to go on this treasure hunt for the imaginative fantasy land <laughs> dweller that I was by default back because I think I think that's what actually moves the world forward is when we actually dare to color outside the lines and we start bucking systems and go, no, I'm not going to fall into the status quo all the time. I'm going to get weird. And so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to help others do as well. Yeah, yeah very cool. I know I'm totally weird. <laughs> so I get it. I hear weird and I'm like, hey, I can identify with that. Because I'm pretty weird, but um, anyway, some especially in regards to weird, I can imagine you've had some people have some common misunderstandings when you start talking about weird. Sure, like what? What are you? Where are you going with this? So, um, what are some common misunderstandings and myths regarding this idea of weird? Well, I think that that weird has become sort of this derogatory term. You know, we we deem something weird that we don't understand or that we want to kind of put down and. So, you know, this is sort of, a, it feels almost like a cliche from a, a writer's perspective. It's like, you know, the, uh, the Oxford Dictionary definition of the word weird, but it's true. It's like, I, I looked that up yeah. and the definition of the word weird is one of the, one of the really amazing definitions is suggesting the supernatural. Mm. And so when I'm talking about getting weird or identifying what makes you weird, I'm talking about tapping into uh, that supernatural sort of Ability, and regardless of what you believe about the universe, spirituality, I think we can all agree, even from a scientific standpoint, that each of us are created with this unique sort of blueprint, this unique set of DNA that nobody in the history of the universe has been able to duplicate. Mm. And so, if that's true, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, why do you think that it's hard for people to do that? Like, what do you, what do you think keeps them from? getting weird, coloring outside the lines. Like, what are some of those things that, you know, like, yes, it's just so hard. You know, we're hard just, yeah, I mean, we're, we're just conditioned to to not, to do the opposite. I mean, again, I thought I was kind of living in, in cliches a bit, you know, after a while writing this, but like, you know, fuck the status quo and, you know, be different. And I, I've been careful not to do that. I'm sure that stuff has creeped into this book, but I've been careful since this, this message is so pervading, you know, be, you know, be different and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but every time I've been tempted to think, oh man, you know, it's been said before, whatever, this is kind of too basic of a message. Life has kind of surprised me. So I was in uh, a bookstore with my uh, five-year-old daughter a couple months ago. I was right in the middle of, of, of writing the book and 
we were in the kids section and at this little sort of like table that was only a couple of inches off the ground, they had this really cool like coloring book station. And I noticed there was a little girl, she couldn't have been more than three years old, like maybe barely three. And she was coloring inside this coloring book and she was coloring really, really well, like really neatly. And I'm like, man, that's actually, wow, that's, that's very advanced. And then something a little crazy happened. She started coloring outside the lines a bit. It's taking a little while. And I thought, I'm like, hey, that's cool, right on. But then I noticed her mom is standing over her shoulder. And her mom, I kid you not, her mom says this. She goes, you've ruined it. You've ruined it. What is the matter with you? Why did you do that? Now you got to start over again. And I'm sitting there going, I, I, first of all, I like removed myself and my daughter from like that whole section because I realized mm-hmm. if I stayed there any longer, I'd got to do like some co-parenting with a stranger, some ninjas. Yeah. <laughs> but it just reinforced in me like, no, like this is, this is real. Like we, we get told by some authority figure or some peer at some point mm-hmm. that coloring outside the lines is actually not okay. And it's different and it's, it's um, deficient or it's, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's different for everybody, but I mean, there it was, right? This display a very real uh, sort of example of what I think we all go through at some point. What would you say to the people who want to color outside the lines and, and, and want that okay, it's okay to do that? Like, what would you say to those, those people? I mean, you have permission to do that. Um, you know, I have this thing that sort of towards the end of the book where um, if you look at any playground, in, in the world right now, you know, if you're driving past the playground, you can try this experiment. In fact, it might seem a little creepy, like, you know, you're just kind of stopping and looking at the playground. I'm, I don't suggest that. What I'm saying is, uh, if, if you look at any uh, playground, you look at the slides, uh, instinctively, every kid does the same thing right before they're about to go down the slides. Mm-hmm. They look. They look to see if, if, if somebody who cares about them, usually a parent or a guardian, is paying attention to them when they're about to take a risk. And so what I say is, is go down the slides. You are seen. You are loved. You are cared for. You might not feel like it, but, but that's true. So just go do it. Go make it happen. Awesome. That's great. Thank you. Um, so one of the things that we like to ask, and it's, 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 uh, it's three questions that, uh, that we ask you know, all of our guests is, and, and I think we know, but we like to hear kind of where, where, where you're at with this, is uh, what makes your heart beat the most? Wow. That's a really deep question. <laughs> what makes my heart beat the most? I would say right now, um, poetry does. I'm, I'm kind of reclaiming, mm-hmm. this is getting really deep really fast, just, you know, <laughs> but, but, but I'm, I'm reconnecting with that word and what it means and how important it is. And I'm reading a lot of poetry lately and discovering a lot of poets. And I think even from a kind of a larger viewpoint, we have a lot of, we've got, you know, we're talking about digital nomads and digital natives and the next generation, you know, being these kids who they just know digital like the back of their hand because they've never known the world without it. So we have these digital nomads, we have these digital natives, and I think what we need to make sure that we don't lose and that we cultivate our digital poets, our people who can take technology, people take, can take the hardware and translate it and interpret it in a way that moves our hearts, mm-hmm. that um, 
sparks empathy and kindness and imagination. And so this idea of poetry, of, of, of language, of taking the data and mashing it up and translating it and inserting the heart into it is just something I'm really, um, it's, it's making me come alive and it's reminding me about what's really important both in my own life and I think culturally. Yeah, you're, you, Danny writes poetry, so I want you to have anything <laughs> yeah. to comment on this or dig into that, because I know that's your heart, man. You, you're good at it. Yeah, I think, I think poetry, um, it, it causes us to go there if we're willing to pay attention to it. Yeah. Um, and, and really, it almost, it really slows us down. Yeah. You, if you're really going to read poetry or listen to poetry, you can't listen to it in a hurry. You can't yeah. be like, all right, roses are red, roses are red. And then you really got to kind of sit. I hear Paul. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, it, and so I just love it. Yeah. I love it. The thought that the, the, the story it can tell. Yeah. Um, it, it's just a, a fascinating thing to me as well. And so that's really cool to hear you say that. That's, that sounds in me quite a song. So another step. Yeah. Maybe deep. Is what makes your heart break the most? Oh, man. I think it's a little bit easier to, to okay. answer. Um, anybody growing up believing the lie that their imagination and their creativity doesn't have the power to change something for the better. I think there's just so many people who never hear go down the slides. Mm-hmm. We never hear, you, you got this. You're you can do this. And um, that's, that's what breaks my heart. Some of man, I, I'm not, I don't have anything. I don't have good taste. I'm not good enough. Yeah, because it's, it's just so utterly false. I and mean, again, I don't know how many people are going to read this book, but if anything, it's a, it's a manifesto for anybody who might have convinced themselves or somebody else convinced them over time that their childlike imagination the things that made them weird as a kid doesn't have a purpose in the universe. This is a hopefully a, a love letter to them. Go, oh, that's total BS, and here's why. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, last of the three questions is, what difference do you want to make in the world? Kind of dovetailing out of that is, is I, I really kind of made it my personal mission to help people, and really from the youngest age possible now, discover that their imagination has the power to change things for the better. At what age are have you in, you know are you able to even find an audience like um, down to five year olds you know where do you say like they're actually starting to pay attention to what you're saying? I think it's a reverse engineered kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's like I think there's some line in the book where I'm like, when we're kids, we're walking around, we're walking resurrected souls. We're mm-hmm. you know there's that Bob Dylan line. It's like I'm I was so much older than I'm younger than that now you know it's like there's a wisdom that we have and there's this again this default nobody needed to instruct me how to imagine monsters and draw things that came out of my head and you know fantasize about what could be I have to work at that now and so I think it's easier (laughs) to sort of circumvent or I guess I guess we're I kind of have like a dual mission It's, it's it's re-teaching and reparenting our generation and then trying to sort of circumvent the lies and the narrative that goes uh, 
your weirdness, your uniqueness, your identity, your creativity doesn't kind of place mm-hmm. in the universe. Mm-hmm. And that I'm hoping to do uh, from the end stage possible. Yeah, awesome. Very cool. Wow. That's awesome. So uh, what we want to do next is I want, I want to show you some some pictures and, and obviously we'll, we'll so explain that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go there, man. We're um, going to go there. And instead of, you know, they asked the question, you yeah. showed up there. And we they said, all agree with that, They all So not what comes to your mind. Okay. Because we're going to say, what comes to your mind? We're like, what? And if you need to pause, which I tell people to do that, is what comes to your heart first? Okay, cool. Okay, so as you do that, we'll tell the people, obviously, on the podcast, and we have it on, you know, that we'll throw it on most, uh, social media for uh, for the video side of it. But the first one um, that uh, that we want to show is uh, Mr. Rogers. What comes to my heart is joy. It's the word joy. I could reflect on that for a really long time. That picture. Um, it's Mr. Rogers with the trolley, and uh, I want to. I, I want to embody the way he saw the world. He had. He. He was really good at balancing this kind of holy injustice. Or this holy discontent with this uh, pervading optimism, and uh, I think my spur of the moment definition of that—if you were to draw a Venn diagram of those two things—it would be joy. Mm-hmm. That's great. Next, and so uh, next picture, you know, it's just coffee cups. People just just a whole bunch of coffee cups. It's the first thing that comes to your heart when you see the community and coffee. Yeah, I, I was going to say the word, uh, I, I love the word communion lately. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a really beautiful word. I think it's gotten hijacked by religions and, um, you know, different institutions. But I think communion is such a, this ancient sacred word that um, we can find it in so many places if we're willing to slow down enough and, and and practice it. And so when I look at these folks, you know, it looks like they're almost about to to cheers. My, my wife used to do a wine night when I was dating her, and she would just... It, 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 that sounds really pretentious and totally wasn't. It was like they were just people, just friends and neighbors, and uh, lots of drifters would walk in. I think there was one point where this couple who owned, like, they trapped their opossum in the backyard and it, like, kept it and brought it in. It was, like, the, it was it, it was really rough. Like, it was, it, yeah. Um, but what she would do is she would make sure after every um, little, like, pour of wine uh, that everybody would look each other in the eyes and, and, and clean glasses and... and wow. Uh, make eye contact and that was just I remember that always being a special moment where that's cool you know these these total strangers became family mm-hmm. um, in that instant so awesome yeah. next picture is um <laughs> Jim Henson <laughs> some of these are some of these are my pictures from from Instagram so that was um that was a really cool moment for me this is a a picture of Jim Henson holding Kermit the Frog up, but it's an installation that was 
in a museum of puppetry in Atlanta. And it's when, so I, I did this speaking gig in Atlanta. We, we, my wife and I stayed there for a couple of days and we were about to drive home. And it's literally, it's like one of those things where we're like driving down the freeway and I see like a billboard for like, you know, Jim Henson exhibit at the puppetry museum in Atlanta. I just kind of turned around like, hey. <laughs> and she's just like, all right. And we just turn around. And it, and just that understood. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. And it was great. I mean, I saw, I was like a kid in a candy store. Um, it's a real, I think it's still there. It's an exhibit with like a bunch of original Muppets from the Muppet Show and kind of chronicling his life and a bunch of his drawings and, sketch, and sketches and everything. And that was a very, um, that ended up being a, a surprising, sacred couple of hours for me because I just kind of felt very connected to this, you know, this guy that I've, I've he's, he's been a hero of mine since I was a kid. And so just, Watching um, some of the stuff that I've seen on the screen up close and really, you know, reflecting on it. I mean, I was just, I was in heaven. And it, it sent me home, as you can imagine, just super pumped to, uh, and, and super encouraged to continue some of the, the stuff that's been percolating inside my heart. Yeah, awesome. Do you have a favorite Muppet? Yeah, gosh. Um, I love them all for different reasons. I mean, um, <laughs> I kind of go in between. So I feel like I'm most like Kermit because I'm kind sure. of keeping everything together. Okay. Sort of, you know, a uh, little bit uptight, you know, at times. And But I love animals because animals like my spirit animal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think Frank Oz, who, who, who um, created a character in so many ways, voice and, and also in, 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 you know, hand acting. Yeah. <laughs> he... Um, I think he described the movie at one time. Animals is pure sex. Like, that's all he is. When I think of, like, when I'm getting to this character, that's all he is. And so, um, yeah, he's just, he's great. That's awesome. awesome. So, this next one, talk about imagination, is, uh, is, uh, it's a picture of, I believe, uh, CJ when he was, uh, using that imagination to be, uh, Zorro, correct? And, oh, that's clearly Zorro. I mean, without the mustache and stuff, you know. What happened to the Zorro brand, by the way, the Zorro franchise? Like, that thing needs to come back. Like, man, Zorro was such a cool, a cool character. And so I wanted to be him when I grew up. And yeah, there's me and like, you know, Zorro outfit and black sweatpants and black sweatshirt and cape. And then, of course, you know, your uh, Nike sneakers, which is, I think, the original uh, shoe of choice for Zorro uh, back in the 1800s, wherever he was around. And it was really cool is there's this cool, like, flash of that's I think like a camera sort of this was like a film camera sort of thing but it looks like mm-hmm. like I don't know like like cool like zapping powers <laughs> coming awesome. out of my hand it is and I look back on that and I, I, I think I think of like how okay well, what am I supposed to do a word that's uh, heart connect to my heart yeah. Yeah. innocence I think mm-hmm. I just think innocence yeah Awesome. <laughs> I love that picture. I yeah, <laughs> it's, I, I loved it. It's a I picture of it. CJ and, yeah, and his wife. Yeah, I think that I loved my buddy took that picture, and um, I loved him that when I saw it for the first time because I feel like there's so many posed kind of family shots of us, and this was just totally candid, and it, and it, and it, it uh, and ca- you know, it captured our personality really well, and so. Um, I think of the word long mm. when I when I 
look at that photo because it it gives it gives my heart sort of this assurance and this sort of peaceful restful feeling of like man we're we're in partners we're in this we've been through it we're going to go through it and um yeah i get the sense of like longevity in that. and and a, not not the kind of long run gosh is a long road trip like and can we get there already long in the sense of like take it easy like just mm-hmm. enjoy the enjoy the ride because it's a it's a good ride all right last one <laughs> Gratitude, I mean, mm. just thankfulness, you know. It's my, it's me and my two kids, and it was a couple of days after our second one was, when was born. So, yeah, I just, I, and for whoever's listening, like, I feel like there's such a randomness to being a parent mm. and yeah. having a family, and um, in, in the sense where it's like there's no, nobody can be good enough or bad enough to have something good or bad happened to your kid. I remember when my daughter was born, um, I went outside to get a cup of coffee. My friend was, was waiting for me at the lobby. We had this pact with each other. We were both having kids at the same time. We were like, okay, you and I are going to get each other coffee when we find out that we're, you know, that our wife's are in labor. And so I'm, I'm pressing the elevator door down. The elevator door opens as it's opening, this whole entire like team of a doctor and a nurse and a dad and this newborn from like across the hall rush in on a gurney. The doctor looks at me in the eye. He goes, we're going to need that elevator. I go, absolutely. Go for it. The doors are closing. The nurse is consoling the dad going, hey, sometimes stuff happens. It's going to be okay, whatever. And I'm like minutes away mm. like wow. from, having, you know, from, from having my kid. And I just go, I don't know what's about to happen. And um, it's this lesson in, in I feel like I've only been a parent for, you know, a couple of years, five years or so, mm-hmm. but the one little microscopic nugget of wisdom I can give, and it's not even wisdom, I think it's just truth. It's like, you're just not in control, you know? It's just, every day is a lesson in going, yeah, well, mm-hmm. I can't control this. And so, you know, again, if that's true, mm-hmm. And what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Wow, that's good. Um, we're bringing it around now to, and thanks for sharing your heart. That's like deep moments. <laughs> it's a great trip. <laughs> I love it. Um, what is, what would you say is the greatest threat and obstacle to weird living and thinking? Sure, please take your time. I'll just sip on water. <laughs> I really want to nail that answer. So mm-hmm. you, can, you can this happen. You can fix it in post. Yeah, of course. Um. <laughs> the greatest threat. Inequality is the greatest mm. threat, mm-hmm. I think. Mm. I mean, you say that, are you speaking to, to like a value, like a human value? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think when you 
start either intentionally or what's the word? Not unintentionally, but um, circumstantially giving some people a shot and regulating other people or relegating other people to um, this notion that, well, they just missed out or they don't have what it takes or they're somehow deficient by nature or what have you, I think. We're all weird. This is not, you know, I, I, I was really careful and I, I hope I nailed it to, to, to put the message out there in this book that this is not, you know, the, the title's kind of false. It's like, you can't get weird. Mm. You are weird. Yeah. Yeah. And so what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think, I think there's a lot of kids, there's a lot of grownups walking around truly believing that they're not mm. creating with unique worth. Mm. And uh, I want to try my little couple of years here on earth, this little combination of dust and Mm-hmm. soul that I am I want to try and tell as many people and convince as many people Ken that's just not true so how do you uh, how do you recharge your heart and keep the the weird mojo rolling yeah like, what is weird that mojo. <laughs> um, <laughs> how do you do I that? go to weird ninja class you know or I got yes. ninja class um, no you can uh, sign up <laughs> silence and solitude silence yeah. and solitude for me that's just that's it I took a train up to, I, I did this vacation um, recently and I didn't feel like, I, I felt like it was a really great time with the family, but at the end of it, I didn't feel like my batteries were, were quite recharged. And so I took a train up from San Diego to Orange County, San Juan Capistrano, and it was really, really cool. It was just me in the car and then I spent some time in a little mission mm-hmm. while I was in San Juan and uh, just walking around and thinking and writing and praying and all that stuff. And, um, it was really, I don't know why it still takes me by surprise. This is kind of the stuff I should know by, by now, but I, I can't believe how little, little of that time it took to recharge me and go, okay, okay, I'm mm-hmm. good now, I'm good now. Silence is all. Yeah, I love that idea of silence. And I've even begun to do that like on, on my drive to work or different yeah. things. Just I turn off the radio, turn off, turn off podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> And, and just get quiet. Yeah. And there's something that really recharges my soul as well. And you mentioned San Juan, that little mission yeah. there. That's where my wife and I got married. That's awesome. Right That's beautiful. Oh, oh my God. It's great. Yeah. But it's weird. Yeah. No one's going to tell you. No one's going to help you be silent yeah. or practice solitude. Yeah. There's always going to be an option for you yeah. to interact with some form of sensory. Yeah. Absolutely. Thing. <laughs> yeah. That's great. What's your greatest fear, CJ? <laughs> We're going to go. We're going. <laughs> Start with heart. My greatest <laughs> fear is mediocrity. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's not... Um, yeah. It's, it, it, it's funny. Like, I've heard a couple of times, like, celebrities from go, like, oh, man, I, can't, I actually feared success. So, like, I've never... <laughs> I'm like, I can't, I can't relate to that. But I have fear of putting stuff out there and it not, um, and not making, a, you know, an mm-hmm. impact or just kind of... You know, okay. staying the, the the radar never or sort of the, the never making the blip. You know, so yeah, that's great. All right, got a question for you. Um, would you rather nobody show up, or would you rather um, people not come to your wedding or your funeral? 
I want my funeral to feel like a way. Mm. Nice. Ninja. Ninja. <laughs> and so, my I think weddings are pretty fun. Yeah. My wedding was awesome. I, yeah. I, 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 it wasn't even awesome just because it was like, the, you know, all the reasons it's supposed to be the best yeah. day of your life. We put on a kick butt party. Yeah. It was really, really fun. I love it. And I would go to that, you know, any day of the week. And so, uh, a few more fun questions. What's your favorite cereal? Super cool. Oh, dude. Okay. Um, Frosted Flakes in a styrofoam bowl <laughs> with a plastic spoon. Let's talk to the styrofoam, man. Oh, oh dude. I'm just saying there's something about, you know, and, and, and you could tell how, how much my, like, honorary speaking fees are based on what I'm about to tell you. It's like, you know, when you're just going to that continental breakfast yes. in the morning at a hotel, there's something about grabbing... Frosted Flakes in a styrofoam bowl. It takes me right back to being a kid for some reason. That's amazing. And it's got to come out of the big plastic. You know, it has this extra sort of layer of, like, plastic, probably fiberglass. It's totally bad for you. Uh, But it's just, there's something, like, instantly nostalgic about that. Yes, that's brilliant. Okay. Um, Are you a lark or an owl? Morning or or evening? I'm a morning guy. Yeah. That's where your sparks are flying. Yeah, totally got it. Got it. And then uh, skydive or bungee jump? Bungee jumping, I think. Uh, I've never done either. Okay. But if you had to choose? If I had to choose bungee jumping. Okay. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's good. That's good. That's what we call joy time. Yeah, joy Joy time. You don't have to go back to the greatest fear kind of thing. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's go on. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, We also want people to know about your book coming out. Um, That'll be out by the time they hear this podcast. Um, and then also to bring in to speak and even do some consulting and that kind of thing. So how, what's the quickest, easiest way people get in touch with you? If you go to cjcast.com, so that's cjcas.com, okay. there's a link to the book. There's a link to uh, speaking and a link to this consulting process. It's called Weird Thinking. It really helps companies who are kind of in a rut going, man, we just don't know how to articulate why we're different anymore. Um, we'll come in, help them out for a day. We've got a really fun project uh, or process that, that helped them do that so yeah I know you helped us do that yeah yeah awesome. well you guys are already weird so I mean it, it, it was, it was easy. <laughs> so yeah, just as we wrap up we just want to ask one last question you know around this and everything is that um, if people want to start with heart what advice would you give them well I think I think that is good advice to start with heart because in itself, because uh, one of the things that's been, that's been challenging me lately, I talk about this a little bit in the, in the book is um, story. The word story is, mm-hmm. is so big right now. Everyone wants to tell us, you know, tell your story, share your story. There's Instagram stories, live a better story. Your story matters, all this stuff. And, and, and I think as entrepreneurs, as creators, as business people, um, we get really stuck in story lane. And what I think, even though story is great, and obviously it's a wonderful tool and we're all storytellers to agree, the danger of hyper-focusing on the topic of story is confusing story with identity. Mm. Confusing your narrative, your biography with who you really are. And if you think about it, the greatest story in the world that you could possibly think of, you know, the, the, your favorite movie, the best it can possibly do, the greatest thing it can achieve 
is, is illuminates, hold a candle to either who you are or who you're becoming. Mm. Like you walk out of, out of a movie, you're like, man, it's a great movie. I love that movie. Yeah, it's because mm. it pings something that's stirring inside of you. You didn't write those things in you. It just illustrated mm. those things. And so when you can, while you can manipulate your story, while you can kind of change the parts, when you can omit things, when you can add things, your identity is something that's been pre-installed, right? It, 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 it's who you are before the world kicked it out of you. And so when I think about starting with art, I think about starting from that place. When you look at teams, when you look at organizations, you're this unique sort of conglomerate of souls and identities that nobody, no other organization, you want to talk about being competitive and having an edge and having an advantage, no other organization has those things. No, no other organization has the unique set of assets that you have. And so learning how to cultivate those identities and, and, and work from there, work from the hearts of your people versus simply trying to massage a story or a narrative mm-hmm. that sounds good, it's going to give you a leg up and a longer run, I think, mm-hmm. um, when you're in this game of trying to put something worthwhile and value out there in the world. Mm. That's great. Well, thank you so much, CJ, for joining us today, man. It's just been a blessing, and we love everything that you're doing, and we're so excited for your book and so excited for everything that you're doing in the world. It's just really, you know, our hearts, and and we're inspired by you. We love love where you're going. We want to travel with you on that, and we're just so glad that you came and sat with us today. Um, Again, this is – my name is Brad Stinson. Danny Williamson is my co-host, and uh, this is the Start Start With Heart podcast um, put on by The Collective Global.